How's your soul? That's the question that we have been asking, and I believe it needs to become a regular part of what we ask ourselves personally, that we think about, that we dive into, that we allow God to speak into our soul and to reveal to us the condition of our soul. I I believe it's something we need to do with one another. Uh, I am so thankful for the people that have asked me that question and have been willing to not just ask it, but to really get an answer out of me. And, uh, and I appreciate that and so thankful for that and the necessity for us as followers of Jesus to really be able to dig deep into not just, hey, how's your day, but how's your soul? How are things going in your soul? What's God doing in your soul? And, uh, and to realize that, that God is the one who desires to satisfy our longing soul, that God is the one that desires to give us good things in, in, a, in a, a hungry soul. Because the reality is, as we've been talking, every single one of us has a longing soul. Every single human being has a hungry soul. Whether or not you realize it or not, what you're longing for, what you're hungry for, is a relationship with God because God is the only one who can truly satisfy your longing soul. God is the only one who can give you good things for your hungry soul. You have a God-shaped hole in your soul, and God is the only one that can fill that. And just as we've been reading in Psalm 107, and, and hopefully you're, you've been committing this to memory, again, God reminds us, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the longing soul, and he fills the hungry soul with good things. So what are those good things? Because you and I, we don't get to define those. I mean, we like to tell God what we want. We like to tell God what we think we need. But the reality is God knows exactly what we need. And God is the one that gets to define what are those good things. Well, good thing number one is redemption. Redemption. God has made a way possible for you and I to be right with him. And redemption is all about that. It's all about being made right with God. All about having a relationship with God through his son Jesus, who he provided. His son Jesus came, died on a cross, rose again, defeated the power of sin and the grave so that you and I can have life, so that you and I can be redeemed and have a relationship with him. God made that possible. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God loves you. He loves you just as you are. You don't have to get all cleaned up to come to God. Come to God. Let God do the work that he wants to do in your life. God has made a way possible for you to be redeemed, to be in right relationship with him. It's only through Christ. It's not, it's not through good works. It's not through even coming to church, even though, I, I mean, obviously as a pastor, I, I, I think it's important to come to church, to have fellowship with other believers, to, to hear the word of God, to sing together. All those things are vital, but none of those things will redeem you. Getting baptized in, in a baptism tank will not redeem you. Doing nice things for people will not redeem you. Does that mean that we shouldn't do it? Of course it doesn't mean that. We, we, we should do those things. They're good things. 
But if that's what we're banking on, then we're missing it because it's only through Christ that you can be redeemed. He's the one that paid the penalty for our sin. All have sinned. All come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid that death, and he's the one that paid that debt that we have through his death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you and I can have a relationship with him that's right because he made a way possible. And we can know in our soul that God is directing and guiding every step of our life. Good thing number two is that God gives to us rest. And I'm not just talking about sleep. Um, sleep is good. Last night was a little less sleep. Amen? Anyone else uh, love time change? I just love it. It's so great. Um, please do away with it. Um, but anyway, that's just my opinion, and I don't like it. Um, good thing number two is rest. What is that? Rest for what? Rest for our soul. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, as he's speaking, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Do, do you feel burden in your life with maybe things that you are thinking about yourself that you're you're heaping on yourself that's the laden part or another word for that is weary do you feel weary because of what you think about yourself or what you lay on yourself as far as burdens and things to do and all this other stuff. And then not only do you have that going against you, other people also lay burdens on you. Heavy laden is the idea of somebody putting stuff on you. Other people will tell you, you've got to do this, this, and that in order to be accepted. You've got to do this thing in order to be loved. I've got this and for you. I want you to do this. And if you don't do this, then I won't love you. Well, it, it, I just would ask the question, if, if somebody's giving you these, these ultimatums of, well, if you would only do this and I'll love you, I would ask you, is that really love? Is that really a relationship? Because I know in my life, when I stopped doing the things that, that I once did, and I came back home and I told my friends that, they left. And I would say, was that really friendship? If I had to do X, Y, Z in order to have a friendship, was that really a relationship? That I needed, that I, that I, no. But I was putting it on myself, and they were putting it on me in order to do things, in order to be accepted, in order to have the right identity. This is what you've got to do. That is not what Jesus is saying. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Partner up with God. Let Jesus Christ be the one to lead and guide your life why? Because he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so he gives to us rest. What is rest? Rest is an intentional break, an intentional break that focuses on the goodness of God for my good. An intentional break from what? Anything that does not focus you on the goodness of God. And we are inundated every single day with things that do not focus us on the goodness of God. It may be something you have in your own mind. It may be something that other people are putting on you. But we, every day, are attacked by our, the evil one who would want nothing more than to destroy your life. 
And God is saying, that's not my way. My way is for you to come to me. Jesus is saying, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. Why? So that you can intentionally take a break to focus on the goodness of God for your good. We talked about rhythm and repetition and how those things, as we have different rhythms in our life and def- different repetition in our life, that that actually is a, an, in, an indicator of what is important to us. Think about it. What you repeat is important to you. And so the Bible says that there's a daily rhythm that we need to have with our Lord. There is a weekly rhythm that we need to have in rest. There is seasonal times where we need to rest. We get this physically. We go to sleep at night to refresh our body so that we can get up the next day and go do the things that we need to do in that day. It is no different spiritually. Every single one of us needs rest. Are you taking time to rest? Is God leading that time? Many of you know I grew up on a dairy farm. Our dairy farm, uh, we had a barnyard and we had uh, pastures. All of those had fences around them. And the reason they had fences around them was for the cows' good and for others' good. Because I don't know if you've ever like, had the experience of running into a cow. Um, it doesn't end well. Um, we, we, were, we were at Cedarville driving around corners in, in this one area in the, in, in the dark of night, and all of a sudden we come around a corner and our lights hit and there is a cow standing in the middle of the road. Slammed on my brakes, slid, and, and came right next to the cow. The cow didn't move. So what I do, I honk my horn, it begins to go bananas and kicks the mess out of the front end of my car. I'm like, I wish I just would have hit you. I mean, literally. Um, so, so it doesn't end well. So the, the fences around, whether it's around a pasture or around a barnyard, are there for the good of the cow, but also for others. My brothers and I decided to put that to the test. And we climbed over the fence in the barnyard. My dad had told me very specifically, and us as boys, stay out. When the cows are in the barnyard, stay out of the barnyard, because if you get in the barnyard, it is going to end badly for you. My brothers and I ignored that. And we decided to climb the fence, and we got into the barnyard, and it was kind of fun for a little bit until the cows got spooked. And when the cows got spooked, you know what they do? They run. And you know what they did? Since there's a fence, they're running around, and my brothers and I all of a sudden realized, holy cow, they're coming at us. I was able to get out of the way. My other brother was able to get out of the way, but my middle brother got trampled. And I mean 150 cows trampling over top of him. Thank God nothing uh, major happened to him. Some bumps, some bruises, but he could have been easily killed in that moment. Can, can I just ask you a question? Was, was, was the fence in my dad's word of saying, don't do this for my good? Or was it for the purpose of limiting my life and not allowing me to have fun? 
Because that's, that's how we act toward God. God gives us these no things. God gives us these fences. God gives us, gives us these parameters around things and tells us, don't do this. It's for your good. And I just I want to take you to a passage and show you in Genesis chapter 2. So if you would, turn or scroll to Genesis chapter 2. And again, if you don't have a Bible and you forgot it today, that's, that's okay, whatever. I want to encourage you, bring your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you need a Bible, go out and get a Bible. If you can't go out and get one, we'll buy you one. If you're using an electronic Bible, awesome, that's fine. Scroll to it, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, and, and again, starting, we're going to start in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. We're going to come back and talk about this because one of the gifts that God gives us is the gift of responsibility, and we're going to talk about that in just a couple weeks. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. For in the day that you eat it, eat of it, you shall surely die. God has placed them into the Garden of Eden and said, every tree in the garden except for one tree you can eat from. Every single tree except for one. Do you know what one of the other trees was that was in the Garden of Eden? The tree of life. They could have chosen to eat from the tree of life. They were set up perfectly to be able to succeed. They, I mean, God had given them everything except for a tree. Don't eat of that tree. Some would say, well, why would God do that? He must not be very loving. I, I would say to you this, that without limits, without having limits on the freedom that God gives to us, that that is actually an act of hatred and not love. Because love, if it does not have a choice, is not love. It is not love. Without limits, without that tree, we lose out on love. Why? Because love requires free will. If there is no choice in love, then it isn't love. Think about this. Forced love in our lives is how we end up in major trouble. Forced love is how we end up in major trouble. God is love and created us to be loved and to love. But here's the deal. Out of that, he gives us the power to choose to love him. And he gave them the power to choose to live or to die. And what did they choose? What did they choose? I'll tell you, it starts with D and ends with I. Anyone? Die. They chose death. Adam and Eve had it all, and they chose the one tree. It chose the one tree. See, here's the thing. One of the most loving words and actions that you can say or do is no. No. Restraint. That's the third 
good thing that God gives to us, restraint. What is that? Freedom within limits. You, you and I, as, as individuals, we understand this with no, especially if you have kids or you've been around kids. Kids love to touch things, stick their fingers in stuff, and do things that we oftentimes have to go, no, don't do that. If your child walks up to a socket on the side of your house, you're not going to sit back and go, <laughs> watch this, guys. This is going to be funny. This will be electrifying for them. <laughs> no, we don't do that. We don't be like, yeah, go stick your finger in the socket. It'll be wonderful. No, we're, we go, no, don't do that. If you stick your finger in that socket, you are going to probably die. Don't do that. You're at least in for a shock. Maybe the shock of your life. Don't do it, right? Come up to an oven. Don't touch the hot oven. No. That can be one of the most loving things that we do is say no. And so God offers to us restraint, the ability to say no, and yet live with the understanding that we are free. Freedom within limits. See, our hungry soul needs redemption. We cannot be made right. We cannot have a soul that's filled up without redemption. If we do not have redemption, if we do not have the ability to have sin paid for and, and the relationship with God restored and be in a right relationship with God, we are forever doomed. But God sent his son so that we can have life. So we need redemption. We need rest. We need to take intentional breaks to remind us of the goodness of God for our good so that we can take pleasure in who he is. But you and I also need restraint. Freedom within limits. Learning to say no so that we can say yes to God. Here's the thing though. You and I, we cannot and we will not say no to the things around us that are keeping us from God without God's help. It's impossible. Because you and I naturally are drawn to no. Restraint in the sense of not freedom, but doing what we want in that freedom. And that is not really freedom. And so, what do we need? We need God's help. We need God's help. So how do we get it? If you would, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Turn or scroll to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 1 and verse 13 give us a clue into our struggle. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Slavery to what? Slavery to sin. Controlled by sin. Jesus Christ has set us free. If you have accepted Jesus as your Redeemer, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer under its control. It does not have to have mastery over your life, but you and I, we love sin. Verse 13 tells us, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity 
for the flesh. Another version says, as a license to sin. You and I, we, we like to sin. And the Bible even says sin is good for a season, but it does not last. It brings destruction. And even though, yes, in the moment it may feel good, it may seem like the right thing, the problem is, is that our feelings are great companions, but they're terrible leaders. And yet we follow them all the time. And what we need to understand is, is that even though, yes, I have a bent towards sin, I have a desire in my flesh because my flesh has fallen, my flesh has been affected by sin, I, it has a desire to always say no to God and yes to sin. But the beauty is, is that doesn't have to be the way it is for us. You don't have to be controlled by sin any longer. You don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. How? How can I stay away from, how can I not say yes to, my, to sin and say no to God? How can I do that? Look at verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Notice that Spirit is with a capital S. Why is it a capital S? Because he's talking about who? The Holy Spirit of God. Father, Son, Spirit. Holy Spirit of God. Part of the triune God. The Holy Spirit of God. Look at this. If I walk by the Spirit, I will not gratify the desires of my flesh. In other words, I can say no to my flesh and yes to God. But the only way that's possible is by walking with the Spirit. Notice what it says about the flesh and about the spirit. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. Another version says they are at war with one another. Do you feel that day to day? The war inside your soul to say yes to sin and no to God or no to sin and yes to God? Has anybody else experienced that, that war struggle going on in their life? Every day. Every day. I, I, I don't know about you, but it, it, just being honest, um, one of the worst places for me, and I've said this before, is in my car. I do not like the way other people drive. And it's all their fault. Anybody else struggle with anything? Do you feel the war, the tension in your soul that your spirit is wanting to say yes to God, but your flesh is wanting to say no to God and say yes to sin? I, I struggle with that every single day. But the reality is, is that I do not have to say yes to my flesh desires. I can say no to them and I can say yes to God. Notice that the end game for each is to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What is flesh desire? Flesh's desire is to keep you from wanting to say yes to God. The Spirit's desire is to keep you from saying yes to your flesh, to sin. So they are constantly at war with one another. 
But what's the key? The key is walking by the Spirit. That comes back to redemption. That comes back to rest. See, I cannot, you will not, none of you here, not, I will not either. There is no way possible for me to walk by the Spirit if I have not been redeemed by Jesus. If I have no relationship with Jesus, I have no Holy Spirit in me. And if I have no Holy Spirit in me, I cannot say no to sin and yes to God. I, I will be a slave to sin, and I, and I will not be able to say no to it. But if you have been redeemed, you have, as we've said already, you have all of Jesus. And when you get Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. He comes to reside in your heart, in your soul. And he fills you up and he gives you the ability to say no. No. Restraint. Freedom within limits. The problem, our tendency is that we say no so easily to the things of God. Do you, remember, do you remember what we said, I think it was last week or the week before, I can't remember, 2 Peter chapter 1. It lists off some things and it says, uh, if you are increasing in these qualities, and what's interesting is if you look at those qualities and then you come back here to Galatians chapter 5 and you look at the fruit of the Spirit, they're almost exactly the exact same thing. If you're increasing in the fruit of the Spirit in your life, Peter writes, you will not fall. But he says if you're not, you become nearsighted and blind and forget that you have been redeemed, you have been forgiven of your sin. This is, this is my no blanket. I love this blanket. I cuddle up in this blanket. My no blanket. Here's what happens. When you say no to God and you say yes to sin, what ends up happening, just like, just like Peter said, when you are not increasing in the things of God, you become nearsighted and blind and you forget that you've been saved, you forget that you've been redeemed. So every time I say no to God and I say yes to sin, sin, the no blanket, starts covering up and starts covering up till you can't see anymore. And y'all, y'all are laughing because you're like, dude, you look seriously weird. Think about this as a believer, a follower of Jesus. If, if I'm saying no to God and I'm saying yes to sin, that is so completely contrary to who we are in Christ. And it should look weird. It should be as obvious as the noses on our face that what we're doing is the exact opposite of what God wants except you know what happens is we get comfortable in this blanket and I'm telling you friend it's exactly where I was at just eight months ago comfortable 
in this blanket, not even, not even, it was as if, wait, like Peter said, I was becoming blind and was forgetting that I had been redeemed and saved from my sin. Until some people come along and started saying, and you know what they did? They, They saw the weirdness of this. With their spiritual eyes, they began to say, Jay, what's wrong? What's wrong? And, and what I didn't realize was I was blind. And I was, and I was letting this blanket blind me to the goodness of my God. And what started to happen is, is that God started to pull the blanket back. As I began to say yes to him and no to sin, God continued to pull the blanket back. And he's still pulling the blanket back in my life. Have I arrived yet? No, I've not arrived yet. There's still more to go. But here's what I know is the Holy Spirit of God wants to take this blanket of sin and completely be rid of it. And that will not happen if you're saying no to God and yes to yourself. So, question for you. You need to seriously think about this. Because if, if, if you're like me, you're walking around with this blanket of sin over your life, and it was taking me down a road that was leading to my burnout and was leading to depression and was leading to other things in my life that God was not pleased with, but I'm so thankful for his grace. I'm so thankful for his mercy. I'm so thankful for individuals who saw the weirdness of that and were like, dude, something's not right. God used that to begin to poke holes into that blanket and pull it back. And all I can say is that it feels like almost every day God is pulling more and more of that blanket back off my head. I don't know where you're at. But can I ask you this? What are you saying yes to that is causing you to say no to God? What are you saying yes to that is causing you to say no to God? And then secondly, what are you saying no to that is keeping you from saying yes to God? I've heard people say to me, I'm not going to go to Honduras. I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to join a life group because those people, meh, I'm just not going to join a life group. I'll never forgive that person because of what they did to me. I, I, I am angry at that person, and I will never let that go. What, what, are, you, what are you saying no to? For, forgiveness? Showing grace and mercy? It's keeping you from saying yes to God. And, and here's the thing. Jesus... Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 tells us that Jesus, and verse 18 says, if you are led by the Spirit. Jesus, notice verse, verse 1 of chapter 4, Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness. 
So the Spirit was leading Jesus. The Spirit was filling Jesus. The Spirit was within the temple of, of Jesus' body, which the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can I explain that? Absolutely not. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all existing as one. I don't fully understand that. I don't know that I ever will understand that. And I'm okay with that because I'm just going to trust God. But, but Jesus is being led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And here's what Jesus says about the Spirit. John 16, verse 13, he says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So what does that mean? That means you can't say, well, I feel this way, so I must be that if, God, if that's leading you away from God. When, when, I was, when I was a teenager, I worked at McDonald's. And that was a very short time, let's just put it that way. Because people were, I, don't like, I didn't like people that ordered at McDonald's. And there was one time where this dude ordered, and, and those of you that are at McDonald's workers, you know exactly what I'm talking about, um, or any other fast food restaurant, or any restaurant for that matter. Um, this guy ordered something, and, and I, don't, I don't know if I hit the wrong button, I, don't have, I have no idea, but he, he got so belligerent. Man, I'm a 17-year-old jock, and... and, uh, and and I could literally, I know, I could grab the guy, pull him across the counter, and knock him out in, in like seconds. And I'm not lying to you, I felt like doing that. I wanted to do that really badly. But for whatever reason, praise God for his mercy and grace, in that moment, restraint. <laughs> And I didn't do it. You, do not tell me that, oh, well, I cut off this person, slammed on my brakes, and almost made them hit me. That was God leading me to do that. No, it wasn't. You, you say, well, God was leading me to do this, that, or the other. If it is anything that is contrary to the word of God, it is not God leading you at all. It is your flesh. Do, do you understand that? It is your flesh that is leading you to respond, leading you to live, leading you to think a certain way. Again, I say our feelings are good companions, but they are terrible leaders. So if you think that you can do that and say, oh, well, God, no. God leads you into all truth. And that truth is never away from God. Always toward God. And so maybe you're here today and you're going, you know what, I know that there's some things I need to let go of. I've had people all throughout the day just coming up to me and saying, would you please pray for me? I need, I gotta let go of this. I gotta let go of that. I gotta let go of this. I gotta let go of that. Yes. But here's the deal, you won't be able to do it apart from the Spirit of God at work in you. It's not about you letting it go. It's about you saying yes to God. And when you say yes to God, guess what? You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So you want to know how to overcome? The way to overcome is by saying yes to God. And, and, and the beauty of that is, is that as God does that work in you, here's the thing, you, you're like, man, but the, the enemy is so strong. Yes, he is. 
and he knows your weaknesses. He knows what buttons to push in your life. But here's the beauty of who God is. 1 John 4.4, you are from God and have overcome them. Listen to this. He who is in you is greater than he that's in this world. God can give you the strength to say no to sin. And he gives you the grace and mercy to say yes to him. So what will it be? I'm going to ask you if you would just close your eyes, bow your head. Just a moment, we're going to sing a song entitled, Same God. And the beauty of this song is that it's a, it's a prayer to the same God who parted the Red Sea, who brought down the walls of Jericho, who, who has done all of these things throughout the Word of God. The same God that you and I have access today is the same God that did things all throughout, his, all throughout his word and all throughout history that we look back and go, wow. And so, so right now in this moment, are you willing to say, I've got some things I need to let go of. I know there's some things that I'm saying yes to that are keeping me from God. There's some things that I'm saying no to that are keeping me from God. I don't know what those are. I don't need to know. God knows. He knows your heart. There's people that are going to be standing here at the front. There's people that are going to be standing at the back. Why are they there? They're there to pray with you. If you feel like coming forward or coming to the back and saying, you know what, I need someone to pray with me, that's what they're here for. But here's the other thing. The beauty of this is it doesn't, you don't have to get out of your seat. You can be the church right where you're at. You can turn to someone. Someone can turn to you and say, can you pray for me? And you can lay a hand on them and you can pray for them. You can be the church today. Maybe you're feeling the Holy Spirit nudging you to talk to somebody that's next to you. Last week after the first service, we had two young ladies that were here. And, and uh, someone went up to them and just felt the nudge of God to go and pray with them. And God did. And, and there was testimony back to me of, of just how much that meant to them. That's being the church. It's not doing church. That's being the church. So right now in this moment as we sing this song, as we think about these words, can we let the Spirit of God move in our hearts and our lives and just be obedient to whatever it is that he lays on us to do right now? Father, thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Spirit of God, move. Move like a mighty wind in here. God, you are good. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Let's sing.